Have you ever thought, yes, the Lord could use me to come alongside someone and simply encourage them, but I don't know if they're the right one to invest in. I'm not even sure they're interested in spiritual things. So how do I start that process? I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry. This is the third of five podcasts with Mr. Bill Mowry, author of Ways of the Alongsider and Senior Staff with the Navigators. I know you're really going to appreciate Bill's practical insights in today's session. I start out by asking him how he initiates a discipling relationship with someone. Now that brings up a practical question. How do you initiate a relationship um, with someone to start a discipling relationship? Yes. Yeah. I. Well, first of all, I th- an important principle is is who do you want to who do you want to invest in? You know, it's that little principle of selection. You know, Jesus chose twelve to be with him in Mark three. And by the way, that in Mark that Mark three thirteen and fourteen passage is about a year and a half into his public ministry, and so he's had constant exposure with those twelve prior to that, and they were probably with that larger group of the seventy or more. But he chooses twelve to invest his life in, and so I'm always thinking, well, Lord, where is somebody I can invest my life in? And I and I look for two things. I look for one is that. Does this person have a heart for God? It's kind of like, do they want to grow, you know? And the second is that, are they available? You know, do they kind of show up and do they want to grow? And um, and so a lot of times what I do is that um, I'll just, I'll, I'll, you know, uh, and again, it depends on the context. Um, I think that all of us got to figure out where's our context for that. That is, is it a work setting? Is it in a neighborhood? For a lot of people, it can be a church setting and uh, maybe in a, an adult class that I atten- attend, or, or it could be younger men and women you know, in the church. That's one of the things my wife has done is come alongside of some younger men and women. And I usually start out just asking them, hey, uh, you know, notice you have a heart for God. How about if we got together and just talk about, you know, what's it mean to invest in that love relationship that you have with Jesus? Mm. And uh, so I don't approach it. And different people have different ways of doing this. This is just my way. I don't approach it as a commitment. I don't approach it as a formal invitation. Some people do, and that works for them. But I've just found I I usually started kind of informally. Let's just talk about it. I, I really appreciate your heart for God. Let's talk about what it means to invest in that first love. And so we start, you know, having coffee together, having a lunch, whatever that means, and begin talking about it. And uh, uh, and so my goal is to kind of get to know them just as a person and then get to know their walk with God and get to know their sense of vision. How does God want to use their life? And so a lot of it is asking questions, you know, maybe passing on some resources. In the back of my mind, I've got that picture of a disciple. And at some point in our relationship, I'll usually draw that picture out and say, hey, this is kind of where we've been going, to, you know, in the past. This is what, you know, we've been doing. This is why. And now if I'm starting a group of men, in this case, since I'm a guy, I'm inviting guys into a small group. If I'm inviting them into a discipleship group, then I'll ask for a commitment. And then I'll ask, hey, we're meeting as a group to hold one another accountable. So I'm expecting you to come every week, come prepared. And um, and so that if it's in a group setting, which is to me is more than one, that's just two other people or three people, uh, then I'll ask a commitment from them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I just, you know, I kind of pray, I kind of look who's out there that's got a heart for God, who shows up for stuff, and uh, who do I have a, I kind of connect with, I got a little chemistry with, and uh, 
say, ask that question, how are you doing in investing in your love for God, and kind of take it from there. Yeah, great, great. Makes but sense. I do have, in one sense, I, but in the back of my mind, I'm very intentional about where I'm going. He may not see the intentionality, but I have the intentionality. I've got that picture of disciple in the back of my mind yeah. that's kind of moving me forward in some very intentional ways. Yeah. Great, great. Well, let's, let's move into talking about the resource uh, that I'm going through right now, Ways of the Alongsider. And um, can you tell us kind of how the resource came about in the first place? Kind of what was the need that you saw and what's the intent of using that? Sure. Yeah, I, as I said earlier that I got involved in working with a couple of churches. They asked me about, hey, you know, discipleship's kind of the navigator thing. How can you help us? So as I got involved with churches, that's where this idea of, uh, you know, it's a quote from the author and pastor Warren Wiersbe that says that uh, Christians seldom rise, the quality of a Christian life seldom rises higher than the uh, the picture that hangs in a gallery of somebody's mind. And so as I shared earlier, I saw these pictures that people had of disciple making, and I thought, yeah, I wonder, we kind of need a resource out there on what disciple making is about. And, um, and a resource that's a little different than most of the classic ones out there. I mean, the classic resource is uh, the master plan of evangelism. I mean, every work on disciple-making is derivative of that book, including my own. And uh, But what you find in Coleman's book is that it is this amazing kind of, uh, you know, winnowing out these principles of disciple-making from Jesus' example. But there's not a whole lot of how-tos in it. And I thought, okay, I, I wanted to provide some how-tos so I can I can begin to challenge and put a new picture of disciple-making in people's minds. And so I wanted to deprofessionalize and simplify and then paint a new kind, a new word, and that's how that word alongsider came up. also found when you mention the word disciple-making or being a disciple-maker, the same thing, people – you know, that's what professionals do. That's too complicated. I can never do that, or I'd have to be a teacher. And I thought, suppose we change the word. And how about this word, alongsider? And uh, and it's, you know, one, it's, what, it's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the ultimate alongsider to us. But alongsider communicates that it's a relationship. I'm coming next to you to kind of intentionally help you follow Christ. I'm coming alongside of you. I'm not above you. I'm not below you. I'm alongside of you, and I'm intentionally helping you move to follow Christ. And so that in an effort to think about how do I connect this valuable ministry to misconceptions or fears that people have, uh, how about we just try to create a new word and then build a description around what that word means. And so that alongsiders do some simple things. Well, let me uh, let me tell you a little story. Do I have time to tell you a little Absolutely. story? Absolutely. You yeah, with a, a pastor I was helping, and uh, I'd just gotten started with this fellow walking through the ways of the alongsider, and he'd already been in midst. He was on his third week of a six-week course he was teaching on disciple-making. And, uh, and so, you know, in one of those, about that third week of that course, this is when I was just getting involved with Phil, in his class, he had about 40 people Wednesday night in a class talking about disciple-making. And so this fellow in the back of the class raises his hand one night and he says, Pastor, says, I've concluded I can never be a disciple maker. And the pastor says, well, why not? Phil asks, why not? He says, well, 
I'm just not good at public speaking and teaching like you are, right? <laughs> this is that picture again. That's his picture in his mind. Right. And the pastor says, well, let me ask this question of, the whole, of all of you. It says, how many of you feel like you could kind of stand up and teach in a public way like I do? You know, about one or two people kind of sheepishly, you know, kind of raise their hands. And then he says, well, let me ask you this question. How many of you think you could uh, befriend somebody? And from that friendship, read the Bible with them, ask some questions, encourage application and accountability, tell some stories. How many of you think you could do that? And about everybody's hand went up. And that's the concept of an alongsider, that I'm coming alongside of somebody. I've, I've got a picture in mind what a disciple looks like, but I'm engaging them in the scriptures. So there's discovery and discussion taking place. I'm asking questions. I'm building a relationship with them, a friendship. And then in the context of that friendship and that context of engagement in the scriptures, then I'm encouraging accountability and application and affirmation. And I'm coming alongside of somebody doing those simple things to help people move towards that picture of who Jesus wants them to be. And so, it, again, it came out of wondering, okay, how can, in the context of particularly a local church, how can we bring disciple-making into it so people aren't scared of it, people don't count themselves out of it, but they feel, hey, maybe the Lord can use me. By the way, you know, in the, in the Matthew account, when the, uh, when the 11 show up on the mountain in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, what's fascinating is it says that, and they went to the mountain that Jesus directed them to. And so, first of all, they all showed up. You know, yeah. They all showed up. <laughs> right, right. And then it says, and they showed up, and some of them had doubts. And I thought about that, because the text is really plain. Some had doubts. Mm -hmm. Some doubted. And I thought, so what did they doubt? And that, I don't think they were doubting the resurrection because they'd seen Jesus several times. In other words, Thomas touching him, that's prior to the Matthew 28 account. So I don't think they were doubting the resurrection or doubting this man. I think they were having some doubts about this mission that he was going to give them. Because all through the Gospels, I mean, he started out, Matthew 4:19, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. All the way through the Gospels, he's hinting at this mission that he has for them. And I really wonder, because these 11 guys all fled from Jesus, you know, and at his trial. And so they're all wondering. I, I just wonder if they're sitting there wondering, man, who am I? Mm -hmm. how, how can I do this mission that he's sending me? I kind of have some doubts. Mm -hmm. My past history in the last few days isn't real positive, <laughs> on, you know, my fulfilling this mission. Yeah. But they all yeah. doubted. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us, you know, we, we can have doubts. Can God choose us? Can, I mean, can God use our lives? And, and so my goal is that, hey, how can we help people kind of see that God wants to use me right where I am, and he can use me doing some simple things. And then to see that Jesus is big enough to take my life and use it in the life of others. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry I sermonized a little bit here, but, no, but that's kind of a, a picture and a background of uh, how this book evolved. That gives us great encouragement, doesn't it? As we, like you say, we doubt that we can do it many times. And um, I've been meeting with people for years, and I still uh, am unsure of what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, yeah. Uh, you know, we can't do anything on our own. But, but the idea that the Holy Spirit is walking with us, too, and walking with the person, if they're a believer, uh, that's what makes it possible, His power working yeah. in us. So yes. that's great. Do you have doubts about whether you are really qualified to make disciples? Are you qualified to help fulfill the Great Commission? 
when you look at it as simply coming alongside someone, asking some questions, reading, talking about scripture, then it becomes much more doable, doesn't it? Join me next time as Bill shares how to be intentional without being mechanical in our relationships with others. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.